0: To the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration, and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Yes, Robert Gerrish here, founder of Flying Solo, co-author of the bestseller of the same name and author of The One Minute Commute, available in all good bookshops and as an audiobook. Now, I'm delighted to have an old mate of mine, Steve Hertzberg, joining us today. So, Steve, hello. Thank you.
2: Oh, hi, Robert. Great to be with you.
1: Well, look, it's good to have you here. Now, I always think of you, and this probably makes you squirm, but, you know, unlucky... Um, I always think of you as the old-school sales guy. You're the guy that reminds me and reminds people of how to actually sell. Does that sit comfortably with you as a sort of intro? Uh,
2: I like most of it. I don't know about the old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I turn 52 tomorrow, so oh, uh, getting older. But, yes, certainly sales has been – I mean, it's been in my blood, Robert, since I started selling the – local paper in Perth when I was nine years old so I've been sure. in and around sales for many many years
1: yeah and, look, and I you know I think with the, all that goes on with uh, social media and there's no doubt it's uh, you know can be hugely beneficial to generation of prospects and you know sales opportunities but you know when I met with you recently we had a coffee recently and and uh, I remembered I was chatting with you and uh, asking you what you've been up to and you you kind of Pretty well told me that you've been on the phones. You still ring people up. You yeah. remind them of who you are and where you are. I mean, these are great actions, aren't they?
2: Well, look, I, yeah. I mean, I'm a believer, and as you mentioned, now social media has its place, and and there's lots of experts out there who will talk to us about social selling and how to make better use of LinkedIn. But I, I, I use that stuff a little bit. But when I'm uh, uh, just working in my own business and using uh, practicing what I preach here, I, I believe that selling is really a, a physical activity. It's a contact sport and you need to be on the phone speaking to your prospects. After this call today, um, I'll be having lunch with a prospect. I think you've got to be eyeball to eyeball on the phone communicating in that way rather than sending people lots and lots of information and links and Mm. i just think there's so much information out there people get confused
1: oh look i couldn't agree with you more and i i I mean i must admit these days i used to start my day well pretty well by sort of opening up linkedin and seeing what's going on but uh, i don't know i open it now and i find so many people pitching at me it's yeah it's just exhausting
2: Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. So yeah, look, I I guess you could say I'm I'm from a generation that was uh, brought up on make your phone calls, go and meet your prospects and understand where your customers' issues and challenges are because I think we all know people only buy things if they're having a problem. So when we're in a sales role, our job is to identify, well, what is the problem the customer is facing and and how can we help them address that?
1: Mm, Okay. All right. Now, look, I know you've got uh some points that we're going to talk through because you do see some mistakes that are are always made or commonly made in business development and i think you've got your top five for us so where should we start what are we doing wrong when it comes to business development
2: Yeah, and let me add, Robert, I've made all these mistakes myself, so that's how I've (laughs) learned along the way, and I still sometimes do make them, So, but as we know, mistakes are life's greatest teachers. Mm. Look, the first one that I I would say is selling to the wrong person. This is a Mm. classic mistake. It's easy to do, we get lured in, all of a sudden we're getting a nibble on the end of our line, and and then someone's interested in what we have to sell. And we can invest a lot of time and energy, and, and then all of a sudden they're ghosting us. We're not hearing back from them, and the uh, the sale is not moving forwards. Mm. And what I've noticed over the years is that, yeah, often we – it's probably because we don't ask the right questions and we make assumptions, but we're caught up in, in selling to someone who – they may have the title, so yes, they may have authority, but they might not have the influence mm. to approve your purchase. So, so, yeah, that's something that I see as a big mistake.
1: Yeah, look, it's interesting you say that because I remember, well, I can't remember how many years ago, too many years t- to, to sit and think about, but when, when I was starting my sort of coaching and consulting business, I remember I was in pursuit of a guy who I thought was going to be the biggest sort of uh, referrer and door opener for my business. Mm-hmm. And I sold just endlessly to him and I wooed him and I took him out for <laughs> coffees and lunches and all these things. And it finally dawned on me that he wasn't the right guy. You know, he mm-hmm. I was absolutely trying to sell to the wrong person within that organisation. Um, but so how, What you know, you mentioned there that part of it is kind of, Questions. I mean, how can we, and maybe there's not an answer to this, but is there a way we can sort of fairly speedily get to find out, am I trying to sell to the right person?
2: Yeah, it's a a really good question. I mean, speedily is if you can, if you're selling B2B, business to business, you want to see if the person that you're communicating with has the authority to approve spending. So do they – you don't necessarily have to say, do you have a budget for this or a budget for that, but, you know, can you raise an invoice to them and will they pay it? That's often not a bad way of finding out if they uh, are the right person, but – more often than not, in a the business, there's a number of people that are involved. So, so I talk about um, you need to plot the landscape. So I draw a little matrix. Um, you have authority on one scale, you have influence on the other scale, and you're trying to work out on that account who's got the influence. So who what the internal politics of the account? Because a lot of people you'll meet with will they're kind of scared of making a decision. So so they'll always be looking into things. They're mm-hmm. reviewing things. They're doing another assessment. And I, I'm not undermining them. They're doing their job. But part of their job is to almost stop things being spent. But when you're selling to businesses, <laughs> yeah. you want to be dealing with the person that can get things approved. So Look, it's every account's different, but you know, I I, I I just think it's a skill trying to work out who's got the influence there, mm-hmm. who can get things approved, and um, never assume, never assume anything. I mean, I remember Robert y- years ago. My wife and I were organising finance, so we had a for our first home, and we had a mortgage broker who came over to meet us at at, at our house, and. We sat on one side of the table, my wife and I, and he sat on the other side. He sat directly opposite me. And every comment and question um, that he directed at the pair of us was, in fact, directed directly at me. Mm -hmm. And he made that terrible assumption to think that, well, Steve's the guy here, so he's the one who's going to make the decisions on the finance. And literally, after three minutes, my wife was kicking me quite hard on my ankle. <laughs> I should have worn my shin pads. But she made her mind up literally within three minutes. And it was because he'd assumed that yeah, she yeah. wouldn't be involved in the decision. Well, and look, that, that's a
1: classic mistake. Yeah, look, I've met Michaela. I know that she's the one that makes the de- all the decisions in your <laughs> exactly, life. Exactly. Yeah. But no, I think that's a great point. And I guess, you know, it is. Um, it's not really feasible for us right here, right now to absolutely Um, give people a solution to to how you get in touch with the right person but and I know some of this kind of crosses over on some of your other points coming up but I think one of the key points you made there is don't make assumptions don't assume you know and (laughs) I guess if you go into any kind of new uh, potential business development development relationship Where you kind of minimise assumptions, and that's going to help you be Mm. more attentive. I mean, I know I'm trampling all over your other tips that you've got coming up in a minute, but you know that's the thing. Is is I guess the starting point is don't assume that just because the title's right that the person you're dealing with is the decision maker. We need to kind of have our due diligence uh, monitor kind of turned up to max as we as the relationship continues. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah, spot on, spot mm. on, Robert. In fact, I'm just, just re, re, you know looking at a couple of notes that I always remind myself of. It's always good to ask the person you're dealing with what will be their role in the decision-making process. Mm,
1: that's
2: a good one. A, a, and then the other one is I, I like saying, I might say, Lisa, can I ask who else could be involved in getting this approved? And, and do you think it might be worth the three of us meeting? So again, it's a delicate dance, isn't mm. it? Because you don't want to get offside with the person that you're meeting with but if you don't ask who else could be involved or who else might be involved then you can get yourself into a real pickle so yeah. again different different strategies depending on who you're selling to but i like those questions what would be your role in in, in the decision making process and who else could be involved in yeah. getting this approved
1: and, and look i think that's so good and, and uh, i'm sure some people listening to this will be you know quietly kicking themselves in the shins that, you know, sometimes when we get an approach, we, we just think, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I, I've got some work coming, I've got some work coming. And we're so keen to get the work that we don't do what you're saying, which is just slow down a bit, ask the right questions, you know, be curious, be inquisitive. Mm. And if it's the right person and the right kind of uh, potential relationship, <clears throat> none of those inquiries are going to offside anyone as long as we choose our words. Anyway, it's point two. Steve, where to next? What else do we well, do then, wrong?
2: Well, the the other one, and this is a classic in in twenty nineteen, isn't it? Is someone will say, "Look, um, can you send me more information?" <sighs> and, and, and you kind of think, "Well, we're all drowning in information." I mean, <laughs> there's and do you really need more? Yeah, how is more going to help that individual make a decision? So so what I think we need to be better at, at, at sending, well, either if we can get face-to-face or get on the phone. So when I get an inquiry and someone says, could you send me more information? What I'm inclined to do is say, certainly happy to send you more, but could I have a chat with you first to find out a little bit more about your own situation? And then once I'm in dialogue with them, it helps me understand what might be useful for me to send to them did you understand yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. um in fact i had an interesting experience last night and and i think this is sort of sign of the times i was with my wife and she went into a retail outlet called lululemon Mm. um they sell all the yoga gear and the training pants and and very sort of high-end stuff you'd look good in that stuff robert
1: (laughs) uh i'm dressed head to toe in it how did you Uh, all
2: right all right and um The chap who was – I was sort of mainly waiting for for my wife. She she was trying some stuff on. But the chap I was chatting with, he was really good. He was what I would have called a sales assistant. Mm. Uh, And I asked him a bit about his role, and he said, no, I'm not a sales assistant. I'm an education consultant. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. And he was there. He was explaining to educate customers on on the different products in the store and, and helping them make the right choice. Depending on their needs, and, and I think we can all learn a bit from that. Even though we might have the word sales in our title, sales is not about sending more and more information. It's more about educating and guiding our customers in the right direction. So more, more like a guide or a concierge, or the chap at Lululemon, the education consultant. Uh, that's that's how I would yeah, would, I would position it more. Yeah,
1: I think that that's a great point, and it's. You know so often the send more information is kind of um uh as we would both know, you know i d do, I've done some sort of classic sales training in the past is invariably when someone's saying "Send me more," it means I don't want to talk to you, I'm not interested, um mm. how can I fob you off a bit or well, that's what it can mean. it's kind of it's a delay or a push it away tactic can be used like that, can't it So again, yeah, you know, I love your point there is well, actually, <clears throat> you know what is it you need? more information about maybe we could meet and talk and i can better understand it and thereby send you you know the right information so yeah great point number three yeah
2: okay three. my number three and look this has been i've been uh, training sales skills for almost 20 years and this this is consistent as consistent now as an issue as as it would have been uh, 20 years ago when i started so the big mistake i think is we have poor questioning and listening skills mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I know you and I have spoken about this in the past, Robert, but I think we get a bit nervous when we're in sales There's an opportunity, we get excited, we know that our our product or our service is terrific, you know, we've got great skills, and we really want to share our enthusiasm with our customer. Mm And there's a bit of the, old, you know, this old school selling, which was the old show up and throw up. Look, here I am, and blah 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 <laughs> blah blah blah. And we've all probably been caught out by someone like that. And I, I, I think. What we need to do is as a sales professionals, and, I, and I'd like every small business owner to think of themselves as a sales professional, because the big part of your job is just learn to ask better questions. And if we can ask better questions and listen more effectively, we'll find out a lot more about our customers' issues and challenges. And, and then when we think we know what they need, I always say, ask another question or two. You'll be amazed, then you can start to to grow the, the, grow the sales. So, you know, I'm always interested in knowing what what's the problem we're trying to solve? How long has it been happening? Who's it impacting? Um, what have you tried in the past? Who else are you speaking mm-hmm. with? Now you don't ask them all like that, but you ask them in a way that really pulls out from the customer the problem or the issue that they're facing.
1: Yeah, look, I'd, uh, and I've got a, <laughs> I got—I almost choked on the um, show up and throw up. I, don't know <laughs> the, I think I'm going to put that as my as my new headline on LinkedIn because um, <laughs> I just see so many people doing that. But yeah. it's so good. Is again, it's that kind of curiosity thing, isn't it? Is asking questions. And yeah. I guess what um, you know, what we know is that if if we are actually in a conversation with somebody um, where where the meeting has meaning and there's genuine interest, then there's really very few questions that are not going to help that relationship develop. Mm. You know, I don't think I've ever been thrown out of a meeting for asking too many questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, if as providers we show interest and we're asking the sort of questions that you were suggesting there... You know who will benefit from this? What else have you tried? Those sort of things. Yeah, really wonderful questions. And if you've got the right person alongside you, they're not going to worry about answering it. Mm. You know, if Mm. they're genuinely seeking a solution. So, I love that. And the the point about um, listening. You know, so often we meet people. I'm sure you do, and I certainly do, who are so keen, and particularly new businesses. You know, very keen, very eager, which is wonderful. But just slow down a little and listen.
2: Yeah, and it's listening. Very, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, if we could do more of that.
2: Um, it's a key skill, isn't it? <laughs> You're, just to add to your, your, your comment now and I, mm. I, I just wrote a note here be curious. And yeah, I think yeah. that's a skill, isn't it? If we can become mm. more curious and really try to understand more about our customers' business what are they trying to achieve? Where are they getting stuck? where are the challenges that they're facing, then I think we can can provide better solutions for them. But that, that curiosity is very, very important, isn't mm, it? Mm.
1: Yeah, and again, I think, you know, one of those questions or the one that you were mentioning, which is, you know, what else have you tried or words to that effect? I, yeah. can th- I can remember a meeting ages ago where I asked that and I could tell that the person I was speaking to was was not keen to answer. It was getting a bit agitated um having to answer such a question and what i realized through that through having you know continuing the conversation is it wasn't that um they were sort of annoyed at the prospect of having to answer it but the truth is they had no idea how to answer it Mm. which goes back to your your earlier point is i wasn't talking to the right person i was talking to someone who was charged with finding someone to to perform a task but frankly, yeah. frankly didn't know enough about what the task really was, which meant really they're not the decision maker. But anyway, um, mm. where to next, Steve?
2: Well, I think that the next mistake is, and this is a classic um, in, in small business. I, I look, I see it. I, I'm working with a big computer company this year on a project, and this, this issue comes up as well, is where the salesperson doesn't have enough prospects so what tends to happen is if you're in a sales role or you're running a small business and you don't have enough prospects, the few prospects that you have, you're almost choking them to death. You keep <laughs> calling them. You're emailing them. You're sending out homing pigeons. Have you made the decision yet? Hurry up and buy. And you, you start um, putting attached. the – Oh, yeah, and you put the customer under a lot of pressure. Mm. And um, what I think you need, and, and it's, it, this comes, I guess, with the benefit of experience, having done this now for, for so many years, you know, almost 20 years in this game, you need to be patient. And everybody buys in different ways and they need more time. I'm not saying you shouldn't create some degree of urgency. I think that is important. But if you hassle your customers too much – You're going to get you. You're going to actually put them off. That's Mm -hmm. my view, and and I think uh, the relationship can then turn a little bit sour. So, it's probably more of a marketing skill, isn't it? To broaden your funnel, keep your networking up, be out and about, but always be bringing in new opportunities into your sales pipeline or funnel, so that the existing ones you have, you're not hassling them too much.
1: Yeah, look, uh, a great point and a tricky one again for you know because when you when you use phrases like you know in your kind of sales function well obviously most of our listeners they've got a sales hat that they wear they've all they've got the marketing hat they've got finance they've got everything else they're wearing all the hats in many cases so you know kind of determining what you're doing when is you know is is a skill that as a soloist you you just kind of have to develop but Uh, as you say, if you've not got enough people in your funnel, then you can end up getting way too attached to any kind of lead you've got. And, And, you know, effectively, in effect, spamming them, hassling them. And that's not a good look, because apart from anything else, it's pretty obvious to the person at the other end that this person got, hasn't got enough work going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you, it's difficult, isn't it, if you've not got enough in your funnel, and that's a different conversation altogether about getting people in your funnel. But um, if you've not got enough, it's, it's that skill to try and be unattached and go, okay, well, that's a good lead, but I've, you know, I've responded efficiently, I've, done, I've listened, I've asked mm-hmm. questions, now I've just got to put it aside and get on with my other work. That's quite a skill, isn't it?
2: Oh, no, definitely, definitely. And I think it's, look, it's probably more of a marketing skill because you need the skill to stay in touch with your prospects. And, um, for example, I do a newsletter every month. It's a way of touching base. I do public programs from time to time. I might do a special end-of-financial-year promotion. But you've got to stay in touch with your prospects, but they'll buy when they're ready, not when you're hassling them. And we've all been in that car yard where, you know, all of a sudden we're showing some interest in a vehicle Call it. Of course, the one that we're interested in. There's only one car left in that colour, and if we don't order it today, it's not going to be available for another six months. Which is always funny because it's a white Holden Commodore, and they're everywhere else in the in the state. But they're trying to uh, create scarcity and put us as the buyer under pressure mm. to buy now. And I think that puts customers off. Mm. Uh, um, so I think yeah that you, you need to really be patient with your prospects. But keep expanding your funnel. That's a, that. That's an ongoing skill. It's a marketing skill where you're always bringing in new opportunities into your uh, into your funnel or your pipeline.
1: Yeah, and look, and I, you know, that that point that you raised there about your newsletter, and I receive your newsletter, and, and I find it a great little reminder of how to do things and how you know just stuff that, like, frankly, I probably heard it, you know, versions of it, but I you forget about this stuff. And that's where it's so valuable to have you know your newsletter, for example, dropping into my inbox, but it's also so useful for you as a, a in your business development program that there's Steve hertzberg, Energy Solutions. you know the name is popping up again it's interesting. I was yeah. talking to a, a mate yesterday um who's recently kind of shifted roles and is is back in his kind of freelance role, and he's very happy that he is. But, um, you know, so he made remade contact with some people who's been a bit remiss, you know, head down, bum up, working on a project for the last couple of years and now is suddenly back freelance and, and, you know, re-sowing those seeds. But he was just delighted because, you know, he got in touch with somebody and went, oh, thank goodness, you you know, I wonder what you're up to. I've actually just got something I need to talk to you about next week. Yeah, it's just staying in touch but anyway that's a different call now that was number four not yeah prospects so oh, we're heading to our close so what's the what's,
2: yeah what's point five. well look my my final point and again i've seen this over the years and and i've been guilty of it myself is a fear of closing it, it's a classic error where mm. You know, we, because we're so nice and we don't want to hassle people too much, you know, we kind of get to this situation where the prospect is probably ready to buy now everyone's different in terms of, of of reading when a prospect's ready to buy you've got to use some skills here but they might be giving clues out to us like saying look when would you be available or um, can we pay in installments or should we set up um, uh, can you give me two different options for pricing but the customer is giving us strong buying signals mm-hmm. but we have a fear of actually closing the sale it's really a fear of rejection so it's a classic one in small business and there's this fear that well i don't want to be seen as being aggressive so i won't close and i'll let them let me know when they want to buy now this is the and, and robert you know you've probably made this mistake i know i have myself and and what happens is there's a good opportunity and we let it slip away because we don't ask the customer would you like to go ahead? Would you like to yep. start this month or next month? So that, to me, is a classic, classic mistake.
1: Mm. Yeah. Look. Uh, oh gosh. I mean, where to start with this one? I think you know, used, as you said, buying signals. You know, that's um, it's something we've spoken about a fair bit. Um, I've written a bit about it in, uh, in in my latest book and stuff as well. And it, I remember from my days. I think I have shared this before on the podcast, but I'm not sure if I've told you. See, my first ever job sort of out of, uh, you know, when I got into the workforce was was actually a used car salesperson. <laughs> okay. I know. Keep it quiet. Don't tell anyone. But right. um, my goodness, it was the best training in the world. And I, yeah. I I loved that job. You know, but that's one of the things we learned is about um, buying signals. You know, buying, buying signals like, will it fit in the garage? Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if my children will like it. You know, um, what, what are the service intervals? It's little things that are indicating that somebody's thinking about living with this vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. give it in that terms. And those, I learned, were signals. And it's like, well, if it does fit in your garage, would you like to buy it today? So why don't we get in there now and drive over and have a look? You know, those, mm-hmm. it's, it's, as you, it's understanding buying signals, recognizing them, and not letting them go past and and yeah. you say, I think there's so many stories people hear of or experiences they have with salespeople that are maybe pushy that they don't do it. But what the, the successful closers, if you can call them that, are the people that recognize them and help people buy because that's, that's what it. they're trying to do, isn't it?
2: Well, that's right. I mean, nobody likes really being sold to, but people like to buy. We mm. buy things every mm. day. And my wife's buying those yoga pants in Lululemon last night, um, We like buying things and we, as you know, we like buying things from people who we know, who we like, who we trust. So we should never lose sight of that. Those things are so important. If we sort of hassle people and try and put them under pressure, yes, in the short term, you may have some success, but in the long term, I think you're gonna get yourself into trouble because you're gonna upset that customer. So yeah, you have to use your skills to close the sale at the right time. And look, everyone's different. I mean, you might have a a personal trainer whose way of closing might be to say, look, I'll tell you what, we've got a promotion on at the moment and your first two sessions are free. So there's no risk associated with that. Mm. So there all of a sudden you've moved a prospect who's umming and ahhing about maybe some fitness training or losing some weight. You've said, look, let's not let dollars get in the way. Come to a group session and it's on us. We'll cover it. So that's a very soft, it's a free trial, isn't it? But yep. then, after a session or two, where they've experienced what you've got to offer, then hopefully you can move them onto a, a plan. We might have option A or B that would be linked to their needs. And before you know it, you've turned that prospect into a customer yeah. by using a very soft close, which is is nothing more than a free trial. Yeah, um, yep. totally So, agree. yeah, yeah.
1: Now, look, t- I've got to ask you this. They say it is said that salespeople are the easiest people to sell to. Would you agree?
2: (laughs) Well, put it this way, Robert. If someone knocks on our door trying to get us to change our energy provider or they're selling paintings, my kids won't let me go to the door anymore because they know that, (laughs) oh, no, seriously, I always feel for them and I think they're out here and I've been in their shoes and I've I've done it so many times that, yeah, the kids won't let me answer the door. So, no, I'm a sucker. I'm an absolute sucker because I feel as I said at the start, you know, to me, selling is a physical activity. It's a contact sport. To succeed in it, you need to have um, kind of thick skin because there's a lot of knockbacks. That's the nature of selling. Um, And the people who are successful in selling often won't share that with you. But there's a lot of people who aren't returning their calls. There's a lot of um, proposals that are out there that aren't getting responded to but it's that ability to kind of get knocked down and get up again that separates the higher achievers in sales from the ones that kind of plot along
1: mm, quite right and look so the answer to that question was then yes you are a, a sucker you so <laughs> yeah. how many lululemon <laughs> bags did you help michaela back to the car with
2: uh well she only had the one but i tell you um, what i came home i started telling the kids on a, a few of the pairs of pants that i looked at but they said dad you won't be seen dead in those not uh, with us around so they wouldn't let me uh, right. uh okay yeah. yeah
1: actually the the image that's the image of uh, steve hertzberg in a pair of lululemon yoga pants is not <laughs> i'm going it's not something i'm gonna carry with me all day um but hey steve it's been great having you on i knew i knew it would be we must get you back again um where's the best place to go to find out more of your fine work
2: yeah, thanks, Robert. Just go to uh, my website, nrg, like N for November, R for Romeo, G for gold, nrgsolutions.com.au.
1: Great stuff. All right, Steve, thanks for showing your time with Flying Solo.
2: No problem. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Robert. Okay.
1: And before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you. Premium Membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more.
0: And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.